Early Career Research Forum. I'm Rachel McCauley. The focus of our forum is to provide members with opportunities to access peer and mentor support, develop links with senior researchers, participate in capacity building workshops, and share knowledge across disciplines. If you would like to learn more about the work we do, or if any of our listeners would like to become a member of the ECRF, check eligibility and subscribe free at www.professionalpilothub.com forward slash research forward slash ECRF. We welcome your thoughts and questions. Please tweet or direct questions to at AIIHPC underscore ECRF on Twitter. Today's podcast will present an early career researcher who undertook her PhD Viva in December under COVID-19 restrictions. We are honoured to be joined by Dr. Stacey Power-Walsh, who is an assistant professor in children's nursing in University College Dublin and has completed a PhD from the School of Medicine in University College Cork. Stacey has years experience as a registered intellectual disability and children's nurse, specialising in children's palliative care. Stacey is usually sitting in the interviewing chair, so today we welcome you as an interviewee to the ECRS podcast, Stacey. Thanks a million, Rachel. It's a, a lot more daunting nearly to be at this side of the table, let me tell you. I'm sure um, you have a lot of knowledge to share with us today. Um, so I suppose let's just start with an overview. Can you give us a brief overview of your PhD as a whole and your topic? Absolutely. So my PhD explored the experience of pregnancies with a major fetal anomaly. Um, it was a full-time uh, funded for three years. It was funded by the HSC as it was in connection with the bereavement care standards for pregnancy loss and perinatal death. Um, I chose to do my PhD by publication. Um, and with the UCC School of Medicine, that means you just actually had to have uh, one of your studies published. And I had for the Viva, I had five of the six published and I've just gotten my sixth. So it did, it comprised of six studies in total and it used a mixed methods approach. So like my studies were from like looking at the incidence of fatal fetal anomaly associated with perinatal mortality in Ireland. Mm -hmm. I would have undertaken assessment of the general public knowledge of fatal fetal anomaly. Um, I would have done a critical discourse analysis. um, And that was on the influence of media commentary on fatal fetal anomaly in Ireland. Um, I looked at the education priorities then for voluntary organisations supporting parents following a perinatal loss and done a Delphi survey to, to undertake that. And then the qualitative piece was like looking at the experience of volunteers supporting parents following a fatal fetal anomaly diagnosis and then the fetal medicine specialist experiences. So, yeah, it was a very mixed bag to look yeah. at the really broad experiences of pregnancies with yeah. major fetal anomalies. Yeah, very all encompassing project. And how did you feel like COVID-19 impacted on on the experience of doing a PhD? Yeah, so actually undertaking the PhD, I was probably luckier than most in that I had all my data gathered. So when it hit in March, I was doing my kind of final analysis. I didn't need to be meeting people face to face. I was just literally working on my laptop. Um, It actually had a good few positives for me, would you believe, when you do, like I would have done my PhD under the Infant Centre down in Cork, they're excellent and the supervisors are brilliant, but there's a real focus on, I suppose there's an expectation that you need to be attending national and international conferences. Yeah. And while this is brilliant, and I would recommend all PA students to be uh, disseminating their research while they're doing it. Um, it took up a surprisingly large amount of time between the poster and oral presentations and even writing the abstracts. So those were cancelled. Yeah. So I got that time back. 
Family and friends don't always understand the stresses and the pressures you're under when you're doing a PhD, unless they come from kind of a world of academia. So now I had a legit excuse. <laughs> they always have expectations to meet, but now sure, we were all in lockdown. No one could meet. So I got time back from that. I also made sure to maintain my clinical experience um, nursing children with lifetime conditions in the community. So a lot of our families stopped letting nurses in. So I got time back from that. So, yeah, it was really crazy that I actually had more time for the write-up of my PhD, which I really needed at the time because a couple of my papers were coming back needing to be reviewed for publication. They have deadlines attached to them. So the panic was on to get them in as well as write up the thesis. Mm -hmm. And then I had my own deadline. I was starting a lecture post um, in UCC at the time, actually. So it, it allowed me that time. And how I worked it then was I worked crazy hours the Monday to Friday but I made sure to take the weekends off and that really stood to me yeah. and it kept my mind clear especially when you're writing up because it can be so repetitive yeah. you can start you know not being able to see the wood from the trees what the negative impacts I suppose it had was I wasn't able to meet others you know face to face so when we'd be in the infant centre it's all the PhD students together and you can fire questions to them about you know, God, what do you do this, the write-up and what recommendations would you have? And God, this is this very repetitive? Can you throw a quick eye on this? You didn't have that. And it was just harder to actually reach out to someone online. Mm -hmm. um, and especially with the preparing for the five a bit of being able to just drop into my supervisor's office or drop into a peer's office and be like, what do you think about this? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and one major thing that I really stupidly didn't think of at the time and it was just by sheer luck was I had submitted my thesis I didn't go running straight away to um to print it out and we were going back into a lockdown and I just thought oh my god my thesis isn't printed how long are we going to be in lockdown will I have my thesis in front of me for the Viva yeah. and I literally rang um this the thesis center I, I'm living in Dublin in Dublin city center and they were like you need to get us to us now we're in lockdown as well we will be closing by tomorrow at 5 p.m that was an unexpected deadline aside yeah. from your, your formal deadlines yeah um so was there anything in particular you had to do bar those you know extraneous circumstances um with with actually getting your your thesis printed was there anything you had to do to prepare to prepare for your viva and um did, was there anything you had to do in particular to prepare for a virtual viva that maybe others wouldn't have to have ever done before okay so there was the general kind of preparation for the viva it was literally reading it rereading it and i would recommend everyone to cover it in post-its they were laughing at me when I showed them the thesis. There was post-its everywhere, just, and they were colour-coded. So I knew exactly whatever study they were referring to. I went to a certain colour and I knew with the methodology sections was always a different colour than again, things like that. And I had loads of little um, bullet points. Just if I was asked certain questions that all I had to do was glance down and know, okay, I have to include that point. But it helped me in the preparation from doing that with my thesis it allowed me to really focus in on the key points of my thesis and really practice those. Um, some PhD students will be asked to do a presentation. Um, I was one of the first in my group to be asked to do a presentation. I felt really kind of, this is going to be an awful lot more work now than just preparing for my thesis. 
And I couldn't recommend it enough now because it allowed me to sit down and summarize my thesis and focus on the key points. Yeah. Um, and in the Viva, it actually really settled me, being able to do the 30-minute presentation at the start mm-hmm. and then welcome questions. Generally, it's like everybody else. It's so important to try and anticipate the questions you'll be asked. And I really broke these down into questions focusing on the actual topic, the general research questions like what is original about your research, mm-hmm. current literature, methods undertaken, my findings and implications, and then reflections and future research. I made sure I was really clear about the limitations of my own study, the boundaries of it. And this was really useful as I was asked questions outside the remit of my study. So I was prepared to answer these, to know why this was the case. Um, And this was really beneficial. I reread the peer review comments actually from journals. And that's what I quite liked about doing it by publication. You're already getting that the the critiques, uh, anticipating the critiques where they arise. Yeah, all the critiques were there. And it also allowed me to support my argument because yeah. often enough you went back to those peer reviews and be like, actually, I don't agree because X, Y, and Z, or it could be this is a really good point. We've now improved the transcript. Yeah. Absolutely. So that was excellent um, to have that feedback as well because they were going to be looking at the same thing those peer reviewers did. It's really important as well for anyone preparing for Viva to update themselves on the national local developments um, and also look for new publications. And I suppose for anyone then that's preparing a Viva during COVID, it's really important to identify, is your PhD going to be solely online or can you manage it face to face? So I don't mind. It was December the 7th. I think that at the time you were still allowed to have certain people in the room. And so mine was decided by the, the examiners that I was going to attend Cork and my internal examiner was going to be in the room with me okay the external examiner and then the kind of chair um, the moderator was going to be online okay so that did take quite a bit of planning just little things that you might think of that I was traveling from Dublin so I needed a letter to travel from my supervisor mm-hmm. also because it was Dublin to Cork and my Five, I was early enough in the morning, I think it was maybe half nine, that I decided um, to stay the night before. I was uh, 14 weeks pregnant and still suffering from the first trimester woes. So we had to get a letter then to say that it was for work reasons um, that I had to stay. Um, So we had to get a letter for that. Um, Little things like getting to the five early. It was in Mm. the hospital in the infant centre. And so I had to go through all the COVID checks, which takes time. Then I had to go up and inspect the room that the Viva was going to be in. Um, thankfully, I was familiar with the boardroom, but not everyone will be familiar with where the Viva is going to be. So mm-hmm. you have to look at like, where are you going to position yourself? Firstly, that you're safe. Do you know, I had to make sure there was enough um, distance from myself and the examiner. Yeah. But also I had to make sure I was close to the camera so those online could see me. I had to make sure I was close enough to the um, the actual whiteboard so I can see my presentation. Little things like I made sure I had a couple of masks with me. I made sure that there was a designated room that I could go to safely on my own when I had the, the few minute breaks in between. Mm-hmm. I had to make sure to check the technology that everything was up and running, um, that we were going to be able to get the examiner and the moderator to be able to dial in okay I had to make sure that my presentation uploaded okay so there was it was little things like that 
and on reflection, do you think you would have preferred to do it solely virtually or are you thankful that you had people in front of you? Yeah, at the time I was thinking and it was it was solely because I was so exhausted being 14 weeks pregnant that I was like, I would way rather be do this from the comfort of my home. Yeah, absolutely. And do it online. But you know what, there's an awful lot of positives being away in that it was nice to have the internal examiner and it was a friendly face looking back at me. So that was definitely beneficial. Also, mm. I got to see my supervisor and a few peers uh, social distancing, which was really lovely. I could nearly feel my supervisor hovering outside the door outside just to see how I was getting on. And it was just lovely to see those warm, friendly faces when I came out. Yeah, because I'm uh, sure that the celebrations after would have been significantly impacted as well. Oh, so you probably abs- wouldn't have gotten to meet those people. That was it. I wouldn't have been from ho- being at home. And I think it would have been more of an anticlimax of just coming off a laptop and just myself and my husband looking at each other and being like, that's it. Um, would I prefer them all in the room? Ideally, I did find that a challenge with looking from my internal examiner then to the screen. And I was constantly yo-yoing back to and forth. Mm-hmm. And you kind of miss that, you know, the non-verbal cues because, you know, yourself, the the connection doesn't be great sometimes. It can be quite blurry. You miss questions. Yeah. Yeah. I would have preferred nearly all in person, but I'm happy the fact that I did it like I did with at least one supervisor, one examiner in the room and mm-hmm. one online, most definitely. Yeah. And I suppose from a, a more broad perspective in terms of the Viva not specific to a COVID-19 viva. How did you keep yourself calm when, you know, tough critiques arose or you you weren't getting those non-verbal, you know, nodding and and affirmations of what you were saying? Absolutely. Yeah. And that is a challenge. The biggest thing I can say is just take your time and be confident. One thing that was said to me before I went into my viva was I am the expert in this topic. And you really do need to believe that. And I suppose it all comes down to your preparation as well, that it helps you be confident. Mm-hmm. So I just took time in answering the questions. Um, and when they were critiquing things, it literally was just coming back to that preparation work and coming back to, well, why did I do something the way I did it? The biggest thing was never be defensive. So I often acknowledge that, you know, their suggestion was a really good one. If I didn't think of it, I admit it, God, I never thought of that. So this is what I did. This is why I did it. However, I completely acknowledge your suggestion's a really good one. And there's definitely learning in that for me. Or otherwise, it was okay to politely you know, say that, God, your approach actually was considered. Mm-hmm. But I either deemed it inappropriate because of X, Y, and Z, or the way I did it was more beneficial because of X, Y, and Z. So that's kind of how I managed the critiques. Um, and some questions, if I didn't know, I just responded, I don't know, yeah. um, are literally coming back to that's really outside the remit of my PhD. Do you know, if you look at my research question, this was the aims and objectives. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's yeah. only so much scope for for such a short amount of time. Exactly. It's three years. <laughs> like it's, you know, it's it's jam packed. You can't get a whole pile into it. Mm, absolutely. And do you have any tips, I suppose, any little gems of tips that you were given for our listeners who might be preparing for uh, their Viva that I suppose are applicable to a COVID Viva and and to a standard Viva? Okay, well, the best tips I've won actually for a PhD, I was thinking about this, 
further PhD and writing up your PhD, first of all, is keep your old drafts of papers because parts that would be omitted. So again, I wrote mine for publication. So things that would be omitted, I could now transfer it into my thesis. Yeah. But it also helped me reading those old drafts and looking at the thought process mm-hmm. for my Viva. Um, another thing is, these are really simple. You'd be thinking, God, before your Viva, get an early night. Mm-hmm. Try and get as much sleep as possible. I did find my Viva long and I was yeah. exhausted after it. Um, eat, definitely eat. So mine was early in the morning. So get a good breakfast as you're not eating for a while. I was over three hours in my Viva, about three and a half hours in my Viva. Uh, bring in loads of water. I was drinking loads of water, partially from all the talking I was doing, but also it allowed me to think of some of the questions when they asked. I bought myself some time by drinking water. During the Viva, I would say take any break that's given to you. Um, inform your family you won't be in contact. I know mine were panicking by the end of it. They were onto my husband constantly because they thought it would stop for lunchtime. And why hadn't they heard from me? Yeah, it's inconceivably long for people that don't understand the process. I yeah, so they were panicking. God, is everything OK? Um, but for parents for the Viva, I couldn't recommend with literally reading, rereading your, your thesis covered in post-its. So it's easy to go to certain points that you anticipate might come up. Like my critical discourse analysis, I knew that was going to be questioned because it's quite an unusual methodology. So anticipate as much as possible. And the biggest and the best advice I got was enjoy it. You are the expert. You have spent years on this piece of work and you do know it best. Mm -hmm. And then once COVID restrictions are lifted, I would say practice with people face to face. I would treat my PhD peers to plenty of coffee breaks and just literally get them to ask me questions constantly uh, in preparation. Um, I really miss that face-to-face preparation. As I said, it was so much harder to get people online to do it with you. So yeah. I just felt it was very lonely preparation, whereas all those before COVID, I remember that, like we would all sit down and fire questions at them. Do you know, practice makes perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the best advice after the Viva then would be, don't fill the time that you used to spend on your PhD. I was told that and I was thinking, God, sure, you wouldn't do that, surely. But I started a new job. I could nearly see myself falling into that of filling all my time with something else, with work-related things. Yeah. And I had to take a step back and be like, no, just rest. break. Yeah, (laughs) rest, relax and enjoy guilt-free because you never have guilt-free time off. Yeah. Do PhD or preparing for Viva. Well, um, I would really like to sincerely thank you, Stacey, for joining us today um, as an interviewee and sharing your really interesting uh, PhD topic with us. But I suppose um, more applicably, your experience of defending your Viva um, and completing your PhD during COVID. You've given us early career researchers, in particular PhD students like myself, who are approaching Viva some really great pointers and some really great food for thought. So again, listeners, we welcome your thoughts and questions. Please tweet or direct questions to at AIIHPC underscore ECRF on Twitter. And from all of us at the ECRF, thank you for listening. If any of our listeners would like to share their experience of palliative care or of being an early career researcher or attending palliative care event, please contact at PowerStace on Twitter. Thank you so much.